Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, Drive, written by Algie Father Anthracite. Before Ken knew what was happening, the fire was already on the edge of the camp. He had picked up all the small stuff when he first saw the smoke, afraid that something like this would happen. He quickly retreated to the safety of the prefab. Thankfully, since it was an orbital drop-rated HAB unit, it was fireproof. He sat in the domed unit, listening to the sound of fire raging on the other side of the wall. After a couple hours, he ventured to look outside. Everything was coated in white ash. He closed the door and got comfy on the cot. It would probably be okay once everything had a chance to cool. The next day, Kent went out to assess the damage. The hab had home was a little singed as there was other buildings, but they were all okay. He went through and checked each one to see if the heat had managed to damage anything stored inside, but everything was okay. Ken started cleaning up the site, clearing away the ash and setting up some equipment. He was lucky the fire had come through before he had a chance to get established. If it was to come through in six months or a year, it would have devastated his homestead. This though would actually help him out as the ash would help enrich the soil and had cleaned a lot of the land that he had intended to use for growing crops. He began setting up the perimeter fence. This was a priority because he had to establish some security against predators so he could pay attention to the farm work. It would be nice to only carry a sidearm and not the full rifle, once the fence was up and would rend off most large predators. After a few days' work, the perimeter was set up, and Ken began to focus on more infrastructure projects. He set up the automatic well, the device which would tunnel down into the local aquifer, and then pump up, filter, and purify water for all of his daily needs. The model he had would output a thousand gallons a day with no need to perform maintenance for at least twenty years. He then rolled the compact tractor out of the larger story fab and started to prepare the fields for planting. The tractor, much like the well, was designed for frontier use. It had only 30 moving parts and ran on solid-state batteries and solar charger. Ken used it first plow under the ash-covered dirt and plant a variety of crops, and then using one of the heavy-duty attachments, began trenching around the homestead to allow for various waste and utilities. He had a septic system that he would later bury, but first it would need to be plumbed in. It too was a vital resource for the modern homesteader, as it would provide a fully composted fertilizer as long as it was properly maintained. Very little would go to waste, and everything ran on batteries that could be charged off the solar grid. Speaking of solar, Ken dragged out and hooked up the six large panels that would provide him with the energy for the foreseeable future. These were self-contained units that basically just needed some plugs connected to tie the panels into a grid. 
And then, once Ken ran the cabling through the trenches that he had dug, he could wire up all the prefabs with lights and add in their small built-in solar panels to the grid. After about a month, a little farmstead was mostly complete. There were a few projects that could be accomplished when they became more pressing or when Ken finally felt like taking them on. The plumbing and cabling were completed, the trenches refilled, the well was producing more water than Ken and his field needed, and his crops were thriving. The perimeter fence, really more of a series of posts, kept most pests and predators away. Each of the posts had a small laser diode and a motion sensor. If anything larger than a few inches tried to cross, the laser would fire, first a warning shot to scare off the invader. If that didn't work, then a lethal shot was made. If the creature was too large, the post would work in unison to fend it off. He threw the bodies off into the woods to get recycled by nature. Ken stopped finding dead animals along the perimeter after a few weeks. Once in a while a local rodent might take the chance, but by and large the local fauna kept away. After a few months, Ken had a decent crop ready to harvest. He went about harvesting the food which he started to incorporate into his daily meals and to preserve. He collected seeds to replant and then composted the rest of the waste biomatter. After the first harvest, Ken went into a large story prefab and gathered more perimeter posts. He expanded his fields to three times their original size. He replowed the original field as well as about half of the new field. He planted replenishing crops like soybeans in the first field and then regular crops in the new one. The third he left fallow. He was able to keep planting crops due to the seasons on the planet being roughly two and a half times as long as Earth's. So he would next year be able to get at least three if not four grow cycles in. If he started with spring vegetables then did two grows of summer and a fall, the bad news was that winter was going to be long and he would be alone here until the rest of the colony ship descended. He was one of the foreign runners and he and another hundred or so homesteaders were dropping early so as to get things started. And in a year or so the rest of the colonists would come down and fully establish the new colony of Ferrex Prime. Ken had yet to visit any of the other homesteads as they were spread out over a wide area and there were no roads, or transport for that matter. But he had been in contact with several of them and had started to build some friendships with his closer neighbors. He had warned them all of the fire that happened shortly after they had landed and saved a few men from having equipment destroyed by the blaze. Once the infrastructure was in place and the fields were producing, Ken went to the large storage fab and pulled out a few more crates of prefab equipment. He used the second half of the summer to build a greenhouse kit, a chicken coop and a small barn, all from pre-made panels. The large storage fab was now basically empty except for the last crate, which wouldn't be used for years. Ken began to work through his kits and equipment of the smaller storage fabs. There were small outbuildings for things like housing the junction boxes of the electrical delivery system and water and sewerage systems. There were a half dozen ATV four-wheelers as well. One day, when Ked had no pressing matters to attend to, he took his rifle, his camo clothes and a compad with the geographic data and a bottle of fresh water, and he headed out to the perimeter. 
He rode one of the ATZBs around, checking the various points of interest on the survey and scouting some new ones. He found a small river that looked like it might have a fish-esque type creature in it. He found an entrance to a cave but did not go into it. He spent the better part of the day roaming around and getting to know his new home. After that day, Ken wandered out of the perimeter more and more and started to establish trails, clearing brush and debris in order to make navigation easier. He also started to work on connecting his homestead with one of the nearby neighbors. The road was not only cleared of brush and debris, but the ground was graded using a tractor. He had about a kilometer of road made when the weather turned chilly. He harvested his crops and processed the excess into preserved foods. The seeds were collected and the waste and scraps composted. He planted some small harvest crops in this greenhouse and started to prepare for winter. One hundred years later. Welcome to Canton. As you may know, Canton is one of the first colonist sites here on Ferrix Prime. It was also the place where Ferrix cats were discovered and the process of domestication began. There are deep agricultural roots in Canton, and the original farmstead is still in use today. The majority of Canton's exports are still agricultural products. If you are interested in going to the opening of the Centennial Time Capsule, please proceed to the Old Town District and follow the signs to the main storage prefab building. Welcome to Canton, as you may. Todd clicked the button on his compad that would have disabled the broadcast message. He followed the signs and found the old storage building, which still stood. The whole town and a considerable number of visitors had gathered. He found a seat and watched as the various government officials gave speeches and patted each other on the back. Finally, it was time. The crate with which had sat a hundred years was wheeled onto the stage and the lid was opened. The contents of the crate were removed one by one. Each piece was examined and shown to the crowd. Todd was excited to see that the colonists had decided to put in the crate. Various pieces of bric-a-brac were shown off, a ceramic pot and a folding pocket knife, a few other odds and ends. The last thing that came out of the crate was a stack of letters. The mayor informed the crowd that these letters would not all be read there, but the letter from Ken Balish, the founder of the town, would be read aloud. Todd was excited. He wanted to know what his grandfather had to say. Hello, future Phyrexians. When I was selected by the board to head the homestead, I was happy. I had been selected to begin a new life on a new planet and make a new world for humanity to inhabit. Then they told me I had to write this letter. I am not a writer, so I'll keep this short. I'm sure if you are reading this, things went better more often than they went bad and that a lot of hard work, sweat, and sacrifice was poured into the ground to keep it thriving. No matter what happens in the time between me writing this letter and you reading it, I know that nothing will matter as much as the drive of people to make this place for themselves. My grandfather once told me that people with drive can do anything. A man can cut a path through a mountain with nothing more than a simple hand tools and drive. A man stepped on Earth's moon using less resources than most homesteads have, and the drive of a nation. Ferrex was colonized with people driven to build a new world. I hope that you have the drive to care for it. End of story. 
Story number two, Putting Garbage in Your Body, written by Hardlight Serial. A felt officer building, tastefully arranging wood and glass, give an impression of a dignified prosperity. Salespeople mainly felt themselves converse with clients of all races. In one office, a standard felt-sized desk had been replaced by a high perch, though the lounge and table remain. Atop this perch sits a Chitoxi man. At roughly the height of a tall Chitoxi woman's shoulder and another Chitoxi, his position would seem slightly intimidating. But the human seated in front of his boss, the position looks almost a bit silly. I'm not happy, Bob. Not happy. The Chitoxi looks down at his employee, projecting an air of authority. One of your clients tells me you've been eating rotten food during a meeting. The human frowns. I can't eat rotten food. Humans aren't scavenger species. It would make me sick at the very least. They must have been a mistake. The Chitoxi doesn't need a data state to quote the complaint word for word. He and I ate a lunch while we discussed the thruster specifications. While I had pasta and fruit, he ate meat and a slice of the most disgusting food that I've ever smelled. Hell within bread. I'm not racist, but I refuse to be in the presence of a scavenger's vile meal. That sounds like rotten food to me, Bob. That was Friday, right? Yeah, I had cheese and a ham sandwich. I don't see the problem. I don't think the cheese was out of date. I could go home and check. The human appears genuinely puzzled. That word didn't translate. Cheese? Um, yeah, I think it's made out of milk. Milk comes from a cow. The human opens his backpack and takes out a cling-wrapped sandwich. His boss immediately wrinkles his nose, though he attempts to remain professional. Okay, Google, what is cheese? A voice with a mild Australian accent comes from the data slate attached to the room's wall. Cheese is a dairy product that forms a coagulation of milk. Some cheeses have molds and the rind and the outer layer all throughout. The human's eyes widen as he hears the machine speak. Oh, uh, so that's where cheese comes from. I guess I did eat rotten food. Yeah, sorry about that. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.